Hello, this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Here we are with our guest, Dan Shortridge. Thank you for being here, Dan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This episode, we're focused on how schools can build their brand effectively. What I think most people find interesting, though, this is also about in the most cost-effective way. Dan, we're thrilled with your book, DIY Public Relations. fits perfectly with our theme over this past month and a half. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Dan? Sure thing, Joe. Dan Shortridge is author of Do-It-Yourself Public Relations, is a communication and marketing consultant and author with more than 20 years of experience in the trenches of local public relations and daily journalism. He's led communications for a school district and state government agencies and has helped support small businesses and nonprofits. He holds a master's of education in instructional design and a bachelor's in business administration marketing. Before moving into public service, he worked for 11 years as a reporter, editor, and designer at newspapers in Delaware, Maryland, and Ohio. A national award-winning reporter, he was part of a team that won a Sigma Delta Chi Award for Public Service Journalism from the Society of Professional Journalists and was an Ochberg Fellow with the DART Center for Journalism and Trauma. He's also a co-author of three local interest books about Delaware and Delmarva, he can be reached at danshortridge.com, which we'll link in the show notes. Okay, Dan, we want to dive into this conversation about public relations and schools. Your book, Do-It-Yourself Public Relations, Telling Your Story on a Zero-Dollar Budget, draws our attention. And it certainly piques the interest of many school and district leaders, especially right now when our reputation is on the line. We found that there are many leaders who want to tell their story, but they really aren't sure where to start, right? And definitely don't have a budget to support doing that. So with that in mind, Dan, here's where we're going to start. How do you get school leaders to begin on this journey of telling their story and thinking about marketing their school? We called that recently in a blog post, the marketing mindset for school leaders, but I'm still not sure that there are enough of them who think about the fact that their school is also a brand. Get us started. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic way to start it, TJ. I think the first thing that we need to keep in mind is communications is not just a nice-to-have thing. Marketing is not just a optional thing that you can tack on there. It's a business function, it's a strategic function, and it really is a leadership function. Now, you may not have a dedicated communications or marketing person in your organization, but you still need someone to do that job. You still need that work to be done because it is incredibly important. PR and marketing, and I'll use those terms kind of interchangeably, PR and communications and marketing, this serves a couple of purposes, right? You can raise your profile, measure as an organization. You can reach new audiences. My head absolutely spins when you think about the number of audiences that a school district has. You can recognize the hard work of your team publicly. You can get through media coverage, kind of an independent stamp of approval from a third party. And you can also repurpose the content for other purposes like social media or newsletters or annual reports and things of that nature. So a couple of different good reasons there to get going. 
I appreciate you, Dan, saying that it's a leadership function and that it's a strategic function. I don't know if everybody sees it that way because the game has changed dramatically. And we're always competing. One thing that really resonated and got me excited about this interview was a lot of school leaders have been talking about this recently, specifically in Delaware, specifically about changing the narrative. You know, it's such a high level of competition within the state and right outside the state that I think transportation and other great features in our society have made schools far more accessible and far more competitive. So if you wouldn't mind, Dan, thinking from the leadership standpoint, school leader, district leader, superintendent, principal, you know, where do they start with their telling their story? How do they do that? Like, what advice would you give them knowing the degree of competition? Sure. So kind of like to start with kind of just building one misconception. We use some of these terms, branding at first, in particular, a lot of people think that you brand something with logos and mascots, slogans, school colors, fonts, letterheads, signage, that sort of a thing. Branding does and can involve those things, but it doesn't end there. Certainly it really is fundamentally about your core story. What are the three main takeaways that you want your audience to leave with? What are the top impressions that you want your community to have about your district? Your school probably is not going to be top of mind for all of your residents at all the time, but you want it to rise up there at those moments of peak interest. And that really stems from consistent, strong public communications, those good marketing and public relations efforts. There was a survey I saw from a consulting firm, EAB. It said more than 90% of school superintendents say that schools need to market themselves more to local communities, which ties in exactly with what you're seeing and observing and saying there. The challenge, especially when it comes to schools, but also applies to nonprofits and small businesses as well, is that they have a small staff. Someone has to take on those duties who has a lot of other things on those plates, and you certainly don't have the big luxury of time and resources there. So effective communications and marketing strategy really starts with careful planning and regular consistent action, not just being reactive to issues or crises or other things that come up. I'm writing this down as a quote, Dan, effective communication strategy starts with planning. And I know that the people listening to this are going to want to know what goes into that plan because our leaders, they want to know the specifics of what to do first, second, and third. And we hear it all the time. So this is a great exercise. I don't want to lose this, which is what are the three top impressions that you want your audience to know about? Man, that's a takeaway for people listening because you can do that with your team, the three top impressions as an activity. But if we're going to go back to that plan, right, as the strategy, where do they start? Sure. You start, first of all, I think with broad themes, right? Maybe focusing on those impressions. You need to keep those as kind of your main touchstones throughout the planning process and keep coming back to those and build everything from those. From the themes, you build your specific stories, right? The narratives that convey those broad themes and the values of your district and the main takeaways for your audience there. And those stories are really the core, the nuts and bolts of a communications plan. There's a saying out there that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. That's important to keep in mind as well with your planning. You can have a great outline at the beginning of the year and it can evolve or devolve into something completely different three or six months down the road. But the important thing is starting out and knowing those goals that you have set for your district. The other key part of a communications plan is knowing your audience. Now, a small business, their audience might be kind of simple. If you're a yarn store, you're selling to knitters, right? 
a school district has a wide variety of audiences. You've got students, parents, teachers, staff, school board members. Beyond that, you've got voters, state and county elected officials, labor unions, business partners, alumni, donors. It's a never-ending list of people who are in that audience for your district. The important thing to remember, though, is that you can't be everything to everyone all at the same time. You are going to have to narrow in on those on specific audiences with some of those targeted stories there. And that really gets into the nuts and bolts of executing the communications plan, right? How are you going to tell these stories? How are you going to get them to the right audiences? A lot of people think that you need to have a gigantic strategic document to start a plan. A communications plan can be as simple as a couple of pages, a basic outline with Roman numerals, your themes, your stories, your audience, and how you're going to execute on that. And then, of course, the last part, which you don't save until the end, you really incorporate it up front, is how you're going to measure success. Right? Are you talking about just increasing awareness through the media? Are you talking about increasing applications during a school choice period? Are you talking about increasing positive public perception of your district among your parents? Lots of different measurable objectives there that you can build into that plan. And that is very institution specific, varies widely district to district. And just because this has come up recently, in a few conversations that I had, and I really appreciate you getting into some of the specifics around measuring success. I think that's very helpful. That right there starts to help people frame in their mind, like, okay, those are targets we could shoot for. Kind of a two-part question here. One, what platforms do you suggest, right? So if we're talking schools, we're talking branding, putting this plan into action, what platforms do you suggest? And could you tie that in around that public perception? Because that's really where the, I know a lot of districts are thinking right now. I want to improve public perception for my district and surrounding. You know, a great local school district only benefits the other local school districts, in my opinion. So that platform, and then if you're going to use it, especially within public perception, do you have suggestions, advice on how you would then strategize using that platform with that initiative? Sure. That's a fantastic question, Joe. The most common, I think, misconception is that you have to be everywhere all the time. You have to be on all the social media platforms. You have to be in the local media. You have to be doing email. You have to have your website up to date. And that is true. You have to be consistent, but you don't have to be everywhere all the time. You do have to be where your audience is. And that's where a good understanding of who you're, the audience you're trying to target with this particular campaign is, where you have to do some research, talk to people, maybe even focus groups. But all the time, it's better talking to your parents or your other constituents. Where do you get your information? What sources do you rely on? With one district, that might be Facebook to reach parents. For another, that might be to get student engagement using Instagram or TikTok videos. LinkedIn might be valuable as a social platform if your main challenge is hiring new employees. My advice would be to just to pick one or two channels and use them consistently. You don't have to be fancy or create special videos or graphics, but consistent posting and using visual elements or what the algorithms look for there. Beyond social media, though, the platforms that you control and have direct communication, you get direct communication channels are also the best. If you can train some of your core audiences to go to your website, keep that up to date. If you have a community newsletter that consistently has valuable information, whether it's printed or through email, those are great channels to cultivate as well. And when it comes to focusing on public perception, the local media outlets have taken a big hit over the last couple of years. There's no denying that. 
a lot of closures, a lot of layoffs. The local papers are not what they used to be anymore. Local TV stations and radio stations have been cut as well. But there's still no good substitute for reaching the most amount of people for relatively little effort, right? A good PR strategy can really help you reach those broader audiences and shape that public perception as well. Yeah, I'm taking tons of notes here. I mean, the most amount of people for the least amount of effort, that's a great mantra for school leaders who are listening. The other thing I really like is to pick one or two channels and use them consistently. Like I think parents will find you if they're interested in the story, they'll be on the channel that you're on versus trying to use all the channels that all the people might be on. That's wisdom in and of itself. Now, you talked about the misconception of everywhere all the time. I mean, I wrote that down because I think that's very much connected to what I was just taking away from what you were saying, Dan. But it reminds me to ask this question, which is, what's something that you see people doing that you're like, don't do that? Or like just something that you would say, this is where people fall short, or it's just not necessarily a misconception, but something that's not going to work very well that leaders might fall into the trap of thinking that they should do. Another great question. I think one of my favorite sayings is that you can tell a story without doing public relations or communications, but you can't do PR or communications without telling a story. I think one of the pitfalls that a lot of people fall into if they're not used to thinking in a communications or marketing mindset is that they push information out there, just raw information and expect that that's going to get attention. You really have to think carefully and consciously about what is the story that you're trying to tell. Going back to those key impressions and takeaways, right? And you can dive into a story by thinking about it in terms of obstacles and challenges, characters that you or your audiences or supporters, you've got a journey, the path to solving a problem, and you've got some sort of solution or resolution or victory, how you solved it or how you're working to solve it. So you don't need to think deep philosophically about storytelling, but getting those key elements in there really helps turn raw information into a compelling narrative that people are going to be interested by and excited by and follow. Thank you, Dan. Those are great takeaways and great advice that I think a lot of people will benefit from. Switching gears a little bit, and this is, goes with our five one-thing leadership questions. And Dan, you can tailor this to you know PR, marketing, and so on, or just generally within the bucket of leadership and influence. Who's one person or group you follow for either knowledge or inspiration, and where could we find them? I am a big fan of a guy named Jesse Cole. He's not a professional marketer, not in education, not a communicator. He owns an independent baseball team. It's kind of quirky. They're called the Savannah Bananas. They dress all in yellow. They dance. They play fun baseball with rules that don't match the major leagues. He's written two books, one about standing out through your own kind of personal branding and one about the fan or customer experience. He posts often on LinkedIn, which is where I follow him about institutional branding, creating a story, the importance of that customer experience, and also about building and leading an organization, which includes some great lessons about hiring good people and trusting them to do good things. So his posts and books never fail to inspire. I love that. We'll link to that. Jesse Cole from Savannah Bananas. We'll link to that in the show notes. Try to get his LinkedIn profile up there. And I think our listeners are going to get a ton from that story as well. Again, you can link this to public relations or just something related to leadership here, Dan. But what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? Mm, that's a great question. 
In the context of communications and marketing, I would have to say that would be read novels. I love nonfiction. My bookshelves at home are covered with history and business and how-to books and travelogues. But novels are really an entirely different way of telling stories that really reset our brains. You can read a, a Rick Atkinson history book about World War II, and you can read a novel about the same era, and you come away with two vastly different stories in your head. I like crime fiction. I've recently been rereading some classic young adult novels that I enjoyed as a teenager, and it really helps open up your creative juices and let that flow. It exposes you to different points of view and different methods of telling a story that can make you a better communicator overall. I really also admire novelists in large part because I can't do what they do. I've tried writing fiction and my dialogue just does not work, so I read in appreciation of their art as well. Yeah, it's excellent advice. I've never really made that connection, Dan, with telling their story, but they are master storytellers. I'm also a crime fiction junkie myself. Love, especially like guys like Harlan Coben. And, you know, you when you were talking, I was even thinking because he paints great pictures from New York all the way through Delaware in a lot of his books. So I'm thinking I'm on 95 when he's writing. And I could see how that skill could translate into PR marketing. So excellent advice. Dan, what's one thing you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? Yeah, so this would tie in directly with marketing and branding. I would have to say that it's photography. I can go into a classroom, for example, and pick out details and elements and turn them into a narrative. But what challenges me personally is being able to point a camera at the same classroom and create a visual scene or vignette. I can do it well enough to do my job, but real photographers and videographers, true professionals, are really worth their weight in gold. My wife was one of those people. We can be at the same place at the same time, taking the same photos from the same angle. Hers are stunning and mine are, eh, I don't know how she does it, but uh, I'd love to develop that skill and be able to see how they see. And that's in large part because good, strong visuals, photos, and video are really essential to telling a story in terms of marketing. People respond better to social media posts, which have good photos and video. Newspapers are more likely to pick up news releases that have photos with them. And of course, your TV stations need video in order to tell their stories as well. So even on kind of a practical level, that's an important skill to have or to develop. Yeah, that's good even for the novice, right? To just be right. reminded that the visual aspect of it is good for the audience, whether that be a picture of what's happened in the classroom or the school or a quick video that you can put in the newsletter to go along with what you were saying before makes the story a bit more compelling and probably grabs a click or two more than just the written word. Dan, you obviously, you know, you're an author, you've got a presence here, you've been doing this for years, award winning. What is one thing that continues to support your growth as a leader in the marketing world that others might be able to replicate? Yeah, so this one would cross the line between branding and leadership. I really admire and, and love the podcast, How I Built This. It's by Guy Raz from NPR. He interviews company founders about the early days and evolution and successes of their businesses. Herb Kelleher of Southwest Airlines, Sarah Blankley of Spanx, Kurt Richardson of Otterbox. It's an interview format, but the conversations don't shy away from the bad times and the tough moments. Failure is not a word that they are afraid of. They're great stories that really delve into a lot of wonderful lessons about leadership, about marketing, about organizational success, and they really inspire me every time. That's excellent. How I built this, we'll link to that. And then just the individuals you mentioned, they're inspirational for a lot of us. In the last book, 
TJ and I just wrote, we feature Sarah Blakely's work and, you know, her curiosity and need to solve a problem, you know, for women specifically in a male dominated industry. It's fascinating. And so that's great to hear. Dan, what's one thing you used to think that you don't think anymore? I used to think that a story really had to be wrapped up with a bow. It had to have a nice, neat ending. And now I know I've come to recognize that sometimes the best stories are the most authentic stories, which means they're open-ended. They're not a package. They're messy and rough and unfinished with splinters all over the place because that's life. That's how we live and work. We don't know necessarily how things end. There are twists and turns and contradictions, and that's okay. Your story doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be human. Wow, there's a great place to end. Your story doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be human. Man, I don't know if we could have a better mic drop at the end of this interview than that one, Dan. And I mean that. It's been fantastic. We always say that things might be complex. Leadership might be complex, but they don't have to be complicated. And I think you've uncomplicated this problem with the leader needing to be able to tell their story specific to school leadership and branding in schools. Wow. Is there anything else that you would like to add to today's listeners? Something that you didn't say, something that we didn't ask? You know, I think we've covered a lot of it. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. There you have it, folks. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog, theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs, always on the topic of leadership. We hope you enjoyed this one thing series on how school leaders can tell their story, market their efforts without a budget, and so much more with Dan Shortridge. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Hey, leaders, before you go, one more announcement. We now have available for you our Candid and Compassionate Feedback Masterclass. Really, because of high demand, we are thrilled to offer this. This is a course that we run live and in person all the time, and leaders love it. They learn to give feedback with skills that they can use right away, including better praise to lift and celebrate your team. It's now available in a virtual online format that you can take on your own, self-paced, from the comfort of your office or home. Here's what you'll get. There are 11 lessons with a focus on nine candor cancellations that we wrote in our Candid and Compassionate Feedback book. These are mistakes that leaders make that we don't want you to make anymore. We'll teach you models so that your feedback is meaningful and we'll give you tools necessary to build the culture that you always wanted. Trust us, without these critical skills, you're not capitalizing on your own capacity to lead better and grow faster. Go to the site, theschoolhouse302.com, click on shop courses, add this course to your cart and start learning today. <music>